Praise the Lord. I welcome you again, and those of you online, to our 2020 Sunday School Rally. Amen. It's going to be awesome. It's already awesome. So shall we pray? In Jesus' name. <clears throat> our Father and our God, we thank you. We bless your name, Lord. You are such an awesome God. Thank you for your undying love, your sacrificial love for us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Even for the privilege you've given to us to be here today again, we're all here basking in your presence. Father, we say thank you. It's an honor. It's a privilege. As we continue this morning, Lord, just take absolute control. Your purpose for sending your word today shall be fulfilled. No word will come back void to you. It will perform the purpose for which you've sent it out. It will have a free course into every single one of us. That it enlarge, enlarge this word in our hearts. Enlarge it in the hearts of all the hearers today and those who continue to hear. To be just like it is in reality. That will indeed be the doers and be also those men that will enjoy, experience that which you have done for us because of your love. Priest of the living God, just take control and let Jesus be glorified here today. In Jesus' name we pray. So our topic today is the Lord, my redemption. The Lord, my redemption. Praise the Lord. So to redeem means to buy back. For the sake of those who don't understand, who don't know what it is. It means to buy something back, to repurchase. It also means to free from captivity by payment of ransom. Ransom means to deliver, especially from sin or its penalty, to free from the consequences of sin. Amen. Our text is 1 Corinthians 1, 30 to 31. I want to go with King James first because a lot of us, including myself, if something is read from a different translation, we don't really key into it. We don't get it at once. So I'll read for the benefit of those of you that are just so used to King James, we can do without it. First Corinthians 1, 30, 31, King James says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of Christ is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Now I'm going to use this translation that actually brings out my topic. Use the same phrase or words. And this is passion translation. It says, so it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God as we are, go as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. The Lord, your redemption. And this fulfills what is written. If anyone boasts, let him boast. Only boast in all that the Lord has done. So don't be tired. I'm going to read one more translation. Amplified. And I'm going to go with Amplified now to just explain a few things. He said, but it is from him that you are in Christ, Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. And I'm looking at wisdom, the wisdom from God. <clears throat> so I don't need to go into the dictionary. It's here already. 
revealing his plan of salvation. Wisdom is what? Ability to apply the knowledge that you have. But here he's telling us that this is the wisdom that God is to us, Jesus Christ is to us. He reveals his plans of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God, and sanctification, making us holy and setting us apart from God, and redemption, providing a ransom from the penalty for sin, so that as it is written in Scripture, he who boasts and glories, let him boast and glory in the Lord. The tendency is that when we see us being used mightily of the Lord, when we see these blessings of God manifest in our lives, some of us might be thinking, probably it's because you're holy, it's because you're, you go to church every Sunday, it's because you're in the choir, it's because you're a pastor, it's because you, you, you're a prophet, whatever it is. He says, no, these things that are all blessings, that wisdom, Jesus is your wisdom. It's a blessing. He's your righteousness. It's a gift. They're all gifts from God. Sanctification. Jesus is your sanctification. It's not about you wearing one that a dress that will look all the way to your ankle and covers everything and gives you um, this um, reverend father neck. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is your what? Sanctification. And if you're going to boast, he says, let your boasting be what? In the Lord. Amen? So before I get into this illustration, let me illustrate what redemption is. I wanted to read an excerpt, but I'm thinking of the time. It's a long one. So there's this little boy a boy who was so blessed, and then he made a boat. He took time to make this boat. Of all the boats this child made, that one took the cake. It was the best. He would just, you know, bring it wherever he went, he was going with the boat. Showed it off to his parents, his siblings, neighbors, school, everybody. He took that boat, a present possession, a precious possession, something he felt like all his life depended on it. He loved that boat to finish. So one of those days he was there by the sea. As he was playing a wave, there was a big wave that came. He lost that little boat. He searched everywhere days and weeks. He couldn't find the boat. He stayed awake night after night. He wept. Parents tried to comfort him. No. One day as he was going somewhere with his dad, he bumped into the store. And as he was looking, there, behold, that was his boat that he lost. So this little boy went to the owner and said, who has that boat? The man said, um, somebody brought it here. I was very good, so I thought I should buy it and put it here. The guy said, told him his life story, how much he, he loved that boat. He made it. It took him time. He loved it with everything in him. He said, please, can I now have it back? A little boy. And the man said, no, son, I bought it. If you're going to have it back, you have to do what? Buy it. So the boy went home, looked for money, opened his piggy bank. He didn't have enough money. He wept. And daddy said, what is the matter? I found my boat. The man is asking for money. I don't have enough, I'm sure. The daddy said, don't worry. Because you love it so much, I'll give you money. So the little boy collected the money and dashed off to the store. Got there, because I already told the guy to keep it for him safe. So he now had to buy back that which was originally his. Praise the Lord. He redeemed it. He repurchased it. He bought it back. So that is the story of our life. God, when God created Adam and Eve, Adam was, he had everything. 
in Eden, the garden, God gave them everything. They were made in the image of God. They enjoyed everything, but then they lost out to the devil. But God had to go after them, after us, to do what? To repurchase us, his own possession. That is what it is. So the story is, um, when you look at our, when I talked about Adam and Eve, that were redeemed, something to be redeemed. You must have been a slave. Slaves were redeemed in the Bible. So you are saying, how come? Romans 6, 6 says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. In other words, you were a slave to sin before you gave your life to Christ. But today the good news is that you are no longer a slave to sin. Amen? Though you were born in sin, we were born and our sinful nature came to us from your disobedience of Adam and Eve. But we're slaves no more. We became slaves to sin, but we're slaves no more. But how did this happen? God, like I said, God gave Adam and Eve ownership of the entire world, asked them to dominate it, take dominion over everything that had life. But God has not made people to be robots, you and I. He gave them a freedom of choice, free will. So they have the right to choose whether to obey or not to obey God. So God already told them, all the, all the trees in this garden you can eat, except from the one in the middle of the garden. You cannot eat fruit from that one. And then here comes Satan, the serpent, the shooters of all the wild animals. Did God actually say you should not eat any, from any of the trees in this garden, from any of the trees. And then Eve said, no. God said we can eat from all the trees except for the one in the middle. Then she added her own. We should not even touch it or we die. Yeah, the devil said, you will not die. The serpent said, you will not die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. You will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So what happened? Now, it was her choice. She started to think that God wasn't that good. She started to doubt the goodness of God. The Bible explained that she looked at the tree, she saw it was good. And she took off it and then she ate of that food, forbidden food, and she gave to her husband, who was with her. He also ate. And so Adam and Eve now committed sin. They sinned against God by disobeying his instruction. And when that happened, what happened was that because we were in his loins, in the loins of Adam, and by disobeying God and eating the forbidden fruit, we also were disobeying God. We disobeyed God through Adam, who consequently fell into death now came in, into the world. Sin entered, then death followed, and now we, it was transmitted to us. The sin and the guilt by heredity, heredity. We are the descendants of Adam. And that's why we got into this problem. Praise the Lord. But guess what? Let us look at Romans 12. And before I talk about Romans 12, that gave us a picture of what I'm talking about. Romans 12 showed us what identification means. Because without identification, there will be no redemption. But why did I tell you the story about Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve listened to the devil. The devil said, no, God doesn't want you to be like him. Because he knows that when you eat that food, your eyes will open. 
you will be like them, knowing good and evil. What was that? God already made them in his own image, in his own likeness. Praise the Lord. But then she has a choice. They have a choice whether to believe God or to believe Satan, to believe the devil. So they went ahead and they disbelieved God. The same thing happens today. We read the word of God. God tells you who you are. God tells you everything. He said he has given unto us all that pertains to life and godliness. God has given us, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Praise the Lord. He chose you. You were chosen. We were adopted. We are accepted in the beloved. Even the fourth blessing, the one we are doing today, redemption. That is the blessing number four, you know. God gave us everything. What are we still asking God for that he has not given to us? He has made provision of all that we need for life and godliness. He has blessed us. So we have all the spiritual blessings, physical blessings. They are in Christ for us. God blessed us with everything we ever need in Christ. But the devil is still playing the game. So we continue today asking God for money, asking God for healing, asking God for everything he already provided for us. I'm here to tell you today, you already got it. I listened to this man, that is his favorite topic. You already got it. He said, you don't, don't be like the dog that chases its own tail. You go about, this dog goes about chasing its own tail all over the place. He already has the tail. You already have healing. We already have what? Money, prosperity. We have everything that we ever need provided. Our provisions have been made. Praise the Lord. But we need to do something. We need to sit down, read the word of God. I know what are those rights that we have as his children. You need to go back to the world after today to look at those rights you have, your rights and privileges in redemption, your redemptive rights, and be redemption conscious. Praise the Lord. Conscious of the fact that you've been redeemed. So in that Romans 5, which I'll not be able to read 12 to 21, I look at the verse 5, verse 12. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so every so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Praise the Lord. Now, in verse 14 now, it says, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Us. Your children will be asking, someone believers say, hey, but why are we suffering from Adam's sin? Why should we? Tell them, it is because of identification. You were in his loins when he committed that sin. So it was transmitted to you, inherited it, praise the Lord. And then the good thing is that we began to talk about the first Adam that fell, but that's the next Adam, the second Adam. It says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For it, through the offense of one man, many be dead. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. The first Adam failed, but God had a plan. He knew he would fail. Now here comes the second Adam, full of grace and truth. Praise the Lord. Many died because of the sin of one man. And because of the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ, we're all here today enjoying, praise the Lord, the gifts of righteousness, perfect gift from God. Verse 17 says, For if one man's offense, if by one man's offense death reigned, by one, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. We'll get to that. You are, are you reigning in life? You are supposed to reign in life. You have the gift of righteousness. 
It is a gift that has been given to us. Praise the Lord. It is as Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. So the day you gave your life to Christ, you became a new creation. Walk in the consciousness of that new creation that you are. Search out. Salvation does not end there. Salvation has some other goodies with it. Redemption is one of those packages. Praise the Lord. Just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ. So when you read this Romans chapter 5, 12 to 21, it just gives you a clear picture of what identification is because I'll be talking about identification a lot. So when we're in the loins of Adam, Adam sinned and we sinned, we identified with him. That is the human race identified with Adam in his sin. And the same thing is going to happen to us. When you gave your life to Christ, right? Your old man, you died, your old self died. You are a new person, a new creature. You've identified with Christ. And we're going to see how Christ also identified with, the, with humanity. Praise the Lord. Because for him to be able to redeem us, he has to be one that is what? Blameless. Remember of old, those priests, those high priests, the sheep, the, the, the sheep has to be, or the goat has to be without blemish, without spots. So nobody, who is he that born on earth that does not have any spot or blemish? Jesus had to come. God had to send his son. Praise the Lord. Let us look at 1 John 1.14. The, the world became a human and lived among us. We saw his glory, the glory that belongs to the only son of the father. And it was full of grace and truth. We're seeing Jesus Christ now in incarnation, becoming man. Praise the Lord. He came down, God became man. Hebrews 2.14 says, These children are people with physical bodies. So Jesus himself became like them and had the same experience they have. Jesus did this. Why? So that by dying, he could destroy the one who has the power of death, the devil. Jesus God made man, was chosen by God to be a redeemer. And when the redeemer is just, Jesus has all kinds of names, our Lord and Savior, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. But on the cross, he is known as the redeemer. Praise the Lord. So unlike Adam, Jesus walked in obedience to his father's will. He identified with humanity. We've seen it. Okay, he came as flesh. He identified with humanity, but then he didn't identify with the sin nature of man during his walk on earth, his miserable walk on earth. He didn't die. He didn't have spiritual death. He didn't die spiritually. He didn't have any sin. So he didn't completely identify with man until he now identified with our what? Our spiritual sin, our sin nature. So on that cross during crucifixion, when Jesus stood on that cross, crucified, he was now able to identify with man's spirit nature so that he would be able to fulfill the purpose for which he came. If he didn't die spiritually, he wouldn't die physically. If he didn't die physically, how can he go down to hell? How can he do the battle? How can he win the victory for you? Praise the Lord. He had to die spiritually so he can die physically and be buried and go down to hell and do the battle. Let's see Isaiah 53, 4-6. It says, Surely... He had borne, okay, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, 
smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, if you're sick for any reason, whether you're listening online or you're here present, I want you to hear this. You're the redeemed of the Lord. He says, surely of a certainty. When he says surely, God cannot lie. He even added this one. He says, surely, which means of a certainty. He has born. And another translation, I, I don't remember the translation. He says, born is taken upon himself. He has borne our griefs and our sorrows. The same translation has tra uh, given the meaning of griefs as disease and sorrow as pain. Jesus, on that cross, he carried your sicknesses and diseases away. He bore them. Whatever the sickness is, whatever the disease is here today, Jesus bore it. He took them away. Praise the Lord. We don't have them, but it's the lie, the deceit of the enemy. If Jesus bore it, then what is he still doing in somebody's body? It's either we believe that Jesus did it or not. Until we believe that Jesus did it, we're not claiming our, redemptive, our redemption rights. Praise the Lord. And then he says, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Whatever the sin is, was laid on Jesus on that cross. Because he had to identify with our sin nature. In his early work, he didn't have any sin. He wasn't completely identified with the humanity until he went to that cross. Praise the Lord. Now he began to identify with us. See, look what happened. Look how Paul put his own. 2 Corinthians 5.21. So for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him on that cross. We were with him. Praise the Lord. He didn't know sin. God actually made him to be sin. He didn't just carry that sin. He also made him to be sin. For you, he was a substitute. He was sobbing. Some of you that are substitutes or that were substitutes before, you know what sobbing means. Somebody standing in the place of another. He carried the sin. He was also made sin. He was your substitute. He died physically. Because he already died spiritually because of our sin that he was carrying. Praise the Lord. What do you think is happening here? You think God, God, is, God is not going to, I mean, that is, we have no, Satan has no right to inflict us with any sickness or disease. Because in the mind of God, he's looking at us on that cross. We identified, he identified with humanity. God is not seeing Jesus on, on that cross. He's seeing you. He's seeing you crucified on the cross. Because Jesus did it. And if Jesus did it, it was you that he did it for. You identified with him, in union with him. So if God sees and he's seeing you on that cross, praise the Lord. He became, he says again, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You are the righteousness of God. Isn't that awesome? We read that he was a righteousness. And now he went further to say that you're his righteousness. You're his darling baby. How precious you are that God will condescend to make you the righteousness of God. Not just Christ being my righteousness and yours, but you being the righteousness of God in that crucifixion. 
Praise the Lord. He was our righteousness where we read in our text. He loved you. He loves you. He gave himself up. His sacrificial love is revealed here. You are his righteousness. Say, I am his righteousness. You are his righteousness. This is awesome. It is awesome. It is awesome. It is not because of you that you've cried so much, you've wept so much, you've pleaded so much, you've fasted so much. You are so pious. You've never told a lie. No, it's a gift. It's all about what he did. We brought nothing to the table. Amen? So, we also want to look at some scriptures. We've been seeing what identification has been doing. Now, we're going to look at some few scriptures that have to do with just redemption. Amen? So, when he was there in that, uh, uh, let's just look at Isaiah 53, 8. Say, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as, his, and as for his generation, who among them considered that he was cut out, cut off out of the land of the living, stricken to death for the transgressions of my people, because of our transgressions, to whom the stroke and the judgment was due. The stroke was due you. Everything that Jesus passed through wasn't for him. It's for your benefit. It is all for you. Praise the Lord. It is all for you. When Jesus did this, it is you that did it. See yourself as you did because you were in him together with him. If the Bible says Jesus Christ did this, it's you because you were in him. Praise the Lord. He was your substitute. Let's look at Colossians 2.15. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those who supernatural, we're now looking at some scriptures that have to do with redemption proper. When he has disarmed, dis, disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. Who triumphed over them? You. When Jesus did it, you were in him. You were there with him, in union with him. That is what identification is all about. But let us look at how um, MSG put it. He says, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their charm, authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. He displayed them as his conquest. Christ was the first man to free himself from Satan's grasp, and he freed you. When he freed himself, he has freed you because he was there like you are the one that was there. Praise the Lord. It is you. It is you. It is you that did what? Stripped Satan of all his power and everything. Ephesians 1, 19 to 23. Supposed to be 20 to 23, but I'm still using the um, Passion Translation. I pray that you will continually experience immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be, now hear this one then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it walks through you. That is what I'm interested in. How is your life? A child of God, you're redeemed. You cannot live a life of defeat and failure. Paul was praying here that your life will be an advertisement of this immense power as it walks through you. This empire that raised him from death and you were there with him raised you. That same power is in you. Now you are supposed to live a life that advertises, be a showcase of all that Christ has done, the victory he won for you. 
over sicknesses, disease, poverty, failure, mediocrity. Let your life be what? An advertisement. Let it showcase that people will look and see what redemption is all about. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 1. It says, in him, in who? In Christ. We have what? Redemption. Our deliverance and salvation through his blood. The blood of Jesus. Which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon. Your sin is completely pardoned. You have complete pardon. It is not partial one. It is not management. It's according with the riches of his grace. Completely pardoned. Sins forgiven. Like they said, it's a present, past, and future. When you look at it, you can even tell. Because when you were born again, when you received the Lord Jesus Christ, made a new creature. Provision was made about two thousand more than 2,000 years ago, right? It was like a futuristic thing. So your sins, you have complete pardon. The blood of Jesus purchased it for you. No more guilt. Whenever the devil tries to bring up, and there he's the accuser of the brethren, reminding whether you did whatever it is you did. I am what? Redeemed. You have complete pardon. With the blood of Jesus Christ. That means that Satan's dominion over your life is broken. No more dominion over your life. Tell yourself, as you go home today, these scriptures continue to ring in your ears. I begin to be conscious of what your redemption. Redemption conscious. Satan lost his dominion over you the moment you gave your life to Christ. He lost his dominion. Everything he has, everything has been tormenting somebody with. Who wasn't in the Lord? Now you're in the Lord. He lost that dominion, that power. Amen? We received a new life when we got born again. So now Jesus has to reign over you. Jesus reigns over you. We must not allow Satan to reign over us. When there is sickness and failure and poverty and lack and want, we begin to wonder who is reigning. Jesus reigns over us. Amen? Satan's dominion ended and Jesus' dominion has taken over. Amen? Galatians 3, 13 to 14. Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law, being made a cause for us. For it is written, cause is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. But you know, this scripture, we know this scripture, we always sing it every day. But I want us to look at some scriptures before we now realize what Christ has done from that Galatians 3, 13 to 14. Let's look at the, these scriptures as I read them. So you can now appreciate what Jesus did. Galatians 3, 10 to 11. He says, for all who depend on the law, seeking justification and salvation by obedience to the law and the observance of rituals are under a curse. For it is written, cost condemned to destruction is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, so as to practice them. Now, it is clear that no one is justified that is declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty and placed in right standing before God by the law. For the righteous, the just, the oppressed shall live by faith. He says, you, this person is cursed. You can keep the whole 99, if there are 100, and you miss one. The person is still cursed. Amen? Say you are cursed. Deuteronomy 27, 26, it says, 
Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of the law by doing them, keeping them, taking them to heart as to the rule of his life. And all the people shall say amen. Even if you're able to do anything, you're so spotless, no blemish, and you paid for all your sins. How about the Adamic, how about the one Adam committed? The original sin. How about that one? Praise the Lord. And he says that the people even say amen. That was how cursed. So when you look at this from what I'm seeing right now, all the law, the effect of the law on any man that decides to just go by the law, to keep the law, to make him righteous, all he did was to bring what? Causes upon causes. Because you're not able to do or make complete obedience. Every man will be cursed if they're not in Christ. Because you're not able to do all that the law requires. And this is, you know, in keeping with this Deuteronomy 21, 23. His body shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall most certainly bury him in the same day. For he who is hanged is caused by God, so that you do not defile your land, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. So the cause is upon everyone who hangs upon a tree. Jesus Christ decided to do what? Purchase that freedom for us. It became that cause by hanging on a tree. And I was telling myself, he could have chosen any other way to die. But because of these causes, he had to go on that tree. Amen. So now when you see Galatians 3.13, that Jesus became a cause and redeemed, you know what would have happened if Jesus hadn't come into the equation. Amen. Everything was cause on humanity. That's all the Lord did, pronounce cause. So Galatians 3.13, so Christ purchased you, your freedom, and redeemed you, brought you back from the cause of the law and his condemnation by becoming a cause for you. For it is written, cause is everyone who hangs on a tree. So you can see the emphasis there. It was on the purchase. He took your place and then he purchased you. So you're his own now. That's an ownership thing that is, you know, is being brought out there. He purchased you. You are his, his possession. We are bought back. We are bought back with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. From a previous condition, obligation to the law, you're no longer obligated. Praise the Lord. Christians are free from obligation to the law. Amen. You are free. Say, I am free. You're no longer obligated to keep any law. You are the redeemed. And he redeemed you from poverty, redeemed you from, causes, uh, from sickness, redeemed you from second death. If you want to know that he redeemed you, go to Deuteronomy 28 and begin to read. You will see all the things that Christ redeemed us from. And you see all the causes that would have been on us, that the law put on us. But for Jesus, Jesus redeemed us from the cause of poverty. He redeemed you from sickness. He redeemed you from spiritual death or eternal separation. Amen. So there's no more fear for hell if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just so that the blessing of Abraham will become yours. It was very important to him. Abraham's blessing includes material blessing, financial blessing, physical blessing, spiritual blessing. Amen. God wants us to prosper both physically, spiritually, materially. Third John 2. Look at what John, Third John said. Beloved, I wish above. Have you seen that clause? Above all things. Above all things. God wishes for you to prosper. That thou mayest prosper and be in health. Even as thy soul prospereth. That's why you should just do what, live in the Bible, in the word of God, and study day in and day out. So your soul will prosper. Amen. 
He wishes for you to prosper. The devil cannot tell you otherwise. And he made provision for prosperity. Amen. All in Christ. And that is why the devil, people keep saying, oh, why did that? everything, poverty is everywhere. Because he was the God of this, of the earth before. He was the God of the earth. But he's been stripped of it. We're no longer ignorant. We are now royalties translated from that kingdom of darkness where darkness reigned and the tyranny of the devil to this free place where we now stand, the place of grace in the kingdom of his beloved son where you can just worship him as you want. Has provided everything. All he wants for you is good. Amen? That is why in Romans 5, 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reign by one man, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one man, Jesus. Are you reigning? Another translation said to reign as kings. I prefer that one. That means that Christ, you have dominion over Satan. We have dominion now. When we get there, you will hear it. We have dominion because he stripped them. He, he made him, you know, like took him as a conquest. And that dominion that God gave to Adam to dominate the entire universe is back again. He's being restored to you as the kings to reign over this entire. If you're not reigning in any aspect of your life, go back to the word of God. The just shall live by faith and continue to search the word, continue to study the word, continue to meditate on the word and renew your mind until victory comes. The victory that has been won, praise the Lord. We're not fighting from the place of defeat. Remember, everything has been done, given to us, provided for us. We have it. We're not fighting to, to get our healing. We're not fighting to get the money, prosperity. We're not fighting that our children will be high place, that we do well. No, we're fighting to keep that which belongs to us. It's already yours. The victory is already yours. Healing is already yours. The prosperity, everything that God has given to you, that is yours. What we're doing now, we're fighting for the place of victory. Amen? To keep that, fight the good fight of faith. Be redemption conscious. Amen? And take back everything the enemy has been stealing from you. It is part of the redemption package. Amen? You are to dominate. Don't let the devil, Satan, dominate you. Don't let circumstances, situations to dominate you. You are to dominate and reign as a king. Amen? Sickness and disease shall not dominate us. We are kings here. We reign over everything, over every situation. Amen? Let's look at again Colossians 1, again 13, quickly. See, what I was saying that he's translated, you know, he translated us, transferred you, moved you away. From the condition where Satan put you, the darkness, the tyranny, the everything, the weeping, the hardship, the sickness, the disease, and translocated you. So now you're in a different kingdom. He cannot reign here in this kingdom. Only Jesus reigns here. Light reigns here because of his sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You've been moved from one place, one condition to another into the kingdom reign of his beloved son, where all your sins are canceled and you have been redeemed. It's a time when I, you know, as I was reading this passage, hmm, I said, I said, thinking about it. I said, for real? For real? Why would I? I said, dancing. And so I put some dance marks here, those of you that do all this um, technology thing. I put it so as to remember that I am now free from the dominion of Satan. The, the time has come when the church, the body of Christ should rise, wake up from this slumber, 
and begin to fight the good fight of faith. You cannot allow the disease on you. You cannot allow that pain, that misfortune, that mediocrity, that low place. He wants you to be above and never beneath. You're redeemed. He said you should be above and never beneath. Head and never tail. That is part of the blessing of Abraham. Amen. Time has come for the church, for us to arise. We are redeemed. We are set free. Redemption is real. Satan is defeated. Know that you defeated him in Christ. Disease is banned. It's taking a flight on exile, never to come back again. So it is illegal for the enemy to do that, to place it on us. Never again, in the mind of God, what is planned? Shall we suffer from lack or want? If you're allowing lack, you know, the thing is that God cannot force you. He says, this is life. This is the way of that. Choose one. Choose one. Whatever you allow, we stay with you. If you want that victory that Christ has won to be your portion, for you to experience it every day, you do something. You rise up. Amen. We're getting there, but we're not where you used to be before. Amen. And we're getting there. Amen. So everything that Adam lost in the garden, now, the garden of Eden, Jesus Christ regained every single one of them. And he gave it to you as a free gift. He purchased it, purchased you too, with his precious blood. Amen. There are so much benefits in our redemption packet. You can see eternal life. You can see eternal life, the first. And even in heaven, they sing a song. The angels were singing a new song, saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to break the seals that are on it. You who were slain, sacrificed, and with your blood, you purchased men unto God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You are purchased. You are free. Jesus Christ, heaven is celebrating you. Celebrate yourself. Your sins are forgiven. Righteousness, you must reign as a king here. You're a royalty. Don't go like a commoner. You're a royalty. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. You've been redeemed from sickness, disease, poverty, and the rest of them. So when you pray, even Psalms was telling us about deadly disease. All of them are in Deuteronomy. And when you pray, you say, because whatever you allow here on earth, it's allowed in heaven. You disallow this sickness in your body. You speak to that mountain in your body. Speak to that poverty. Speak to the mountain, not to God. Speak to that mountain. Disallow it in the name of Jesus. And that's what you will do. You're a king. A king does not let a commoner to come on the throne and begin to reign. Will the king fold his arms and allow the commoner to reign? Since you're the king, Satan is the commoner. He cannot reign in this throne of yours. Amen. You are adopted in God's family. You've been delivered from every sin of bondage. You're delivered. Praise God. That useless lifetime, fruitless lifetime, you, you're redeemed. Now your life has to be fruitful. If you didn't know that before, because my people perish for lack of knowledge, now you know. Amen. Go back to the scriptures and see what God has done for you. See your rights and your privileges as a child of God, your redemption rights. You have peace with God. You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I really like to read this place. Um, First Corinthians says, I'm going to go down to 19 or 20. Say, do you now know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? 
you are not your own. You were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness. That is what I want. There's a preciousness to this possession. Silver and gold couldn't pay for it. It was, a precious, it was precious to him. You're his most precious possession. And then how do you thank God for it? You have to glorify, honor God daily in your body. Amen. So victory is yours. It's one of our redemptive rights. Victory in every situation. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. We've seen prosperity. They're all yours. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And then I like this one. Hebrews 6 and 9. It says, but beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you and things that accompany salvation. Though we thus speak, we are confident that you are made for better things. Better things of this salvation, they are yet to come. Amen. You're meant for it. You're not going to just lay back. No, you're going to stand up. You're going to fight. Even when the uh, Israelites were given that land, they still had to fight to keep it, isn't it? You need to fight to keep that which God has given to you. Amen. So we need to go back to the word of God and study the word of God. Study day and night. Meditate. Live in it. As it says, abide in that word day and night. Try to renew your mind. That your mind will be renewed as you study the word of God. Praise God. Always feed on the word of God. Practice that word day and night. Don't just study it just for studying sake. No, study because you want to live it. You want to live that life. You want that word of God to govern your life. Amen. So as you have received the word today, what will you do with it? Are you just go back and just lay back like that? No. Your freedom cost Jesus Christ a lot. As I was looking at this Greek translation and strong, what a strong something, dictionary. It was talking about the marketplace. I said, what is this marketplace? I've seen it in almost everywhere that I go. That I went as I was studying the word of God. Jesus came down, became man. He went down to hell and did what? Did that battle for you. He went to the slave market. He bought you up. He bought you. Remember the story of Jose and Goma? Goma had a wife that was promiscuous, that had kids. Today, she will have the, peep, the child. She runs out again. She goes back to another man. And they buy her, they put her in slavery and, got slavery. and God said to Goma, go and buy your wife back. I want to show you. She's there, a whore, on another man's bed. Go and buy her back and love her. Go, buy her back and love her. And guess what? Jose said, and I did. God wanted to show how much love he has for you, his people. How much love he had to do what? Go to the slave market and repurchase you his own item and drew you out from the kingdom of darkness and brought you into his own kingdom. It cost him his precious blood. So every day, begin to tell yourself, confess, I was crucified with Christ. Make your confession. I was buried with Christ. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ. I was raised with Christ. And you're seated with Christ, even right now. Where are you seated? Here on his body. And the Bible says he's sitting far above those principalities and powers. And when he's seated anywhere, you know you're seated there with him, right? You are seated with Christ far above everything, every name, principalities and powers. That is why you are seated with God, child of God. I want you to know that, that you're seated with Christ in high places, far above every rule, far above every authority, far above every dominion, every name. You are seated in him, with him. And the devil and all his cohorts are under your feet. 
I want you to know that. Amen. And begin to make your life a showcase where people will see the goodness of God in your own life. Amen. You are redeemed of the Lord. The Redeemer redeemed you. You are a king. You are a royalty. And you will reign over your situations. You will dominate over your circumstance. You will dominate over everything that comes your way because you are a royalty. Go back, go into the world and see what God says. It cost him so much, a precious gift. Somebody gives you a precious gift, the highest value, and you don't use it. You think you don't appreciate it. Show God you appreciate his gift by being what? A king that you're supposed to be. The Lord, your redemption. Amen.